Hi, this is Deborah Ann Wool. Thank you for listening to the Children of Erte podcast, presented by Demiplane. You can join us live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv backslash RPG, or catch up with the VOD of each episode on the Demiplane YouTube channel. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Thank you for joining us for this week's Children of Erte. I am not Deborah Ann Wool, um, but um, I am going to uh, uh, kind of facilitate things here this evening. Deborah had a scheduling conflict, and so uh, we decided to get together as we have done, I think, only one other time and do a, a Q&A session. So everyone is going to be able to ask questions. And speaking of that, you can do that starting now. We have our magical Demibot, we affectionately call it Demibot, that is crawling chat. And so all you have to do to ask a question is type the word question and then follow that by the question itself. And we're going to collect all of those and we will, uh, we will get to them. I see, um, one of them has come in right now. It's not a question. Somebody's trying to cheat, um, but uh, but you can ask those questions right now. Um, oh, I saw a real question uh, come in just then. So thank you very much for that. And you can keep asking those questions all along the way. Um, and we are going to introduce ourselves as we normally do. But first, before I do that, uh, and, and this introduction time, it's time for you to think of questions too. So we're gonna let, let the questions bank up here a little bit where we can start digging in after introductions. But first, I'm gonna talk about our sponsors. Uh, thank you very much, Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms for your continued support. You can grab an Electrum chest code on the overlayer bouncing around in chat. We also have Die Hard Dice, uh, and we're going to give away a $20 uh, gift discount code, so, something you put in at checkout, I think, to get $20 off your order. So good luck on that one, too. And they have supplied our cast with, uh, we're going to go down the list here. Uh, so this is going off of the player characters now and moving into some NPCs. So they have supplied our cast with Ivy's Icy Icon. Ivy's thank you for that uh, Die Hard Dice and you can also use the code Airtay to get 10% off an order at that store and finally tonight you will not hear the dulcet tones of Cyberpunk yeah. <laughs> but when we play you will hear the dulcet tones of Sirenscape because epic games need epic sound and we what will be what I'm hearing is you got to ask epic questions because epic questions need epic sound. That, that, that's exactly right. You can ask epic questions or, uh, you know, we do have a, a professional oboist. 
um, you know, yeah. Hope knows how to sing. Um, <laughs> may, maybe uh, Alicia can beatbox. Can you beatbox? Um, uh, kind of, sort of, kind of, yeah. Something <laughs> going here to get a little bit of a, a musical accompaniment tonight. But otherwise, <laughs> we'll be back next week for a regular episode. Uh, well, let's be honest. No episode that we do is regular. <laughs> but, um, but we will be back for a play episode next week, and Sirenscape will be fully featured when we come to that. So thank you so much for our sponsors. I'm Adam Bradford. I'm the CDO at Demiplane. So many fun things going on. Uh, we are coming up on Gen Con. So Gen Con is uh, happening. Let's see. I don't leave this week. I leave next week for Gen Con. And um, at that show, we are going to be uh, having a grand old time in the Avatar Legends room that is going to be right off the show floor. You're going to see Avatar Legends Nexus uh, uh, featured in that room, and you can come and meet the Demiplane team all weekend there at Gen Con. It's going to be an awesome place. You don't want to miss that. If you don't do anything else at Gen Con, you need to make sure after you get done walking the show floor that you head over to that Avatar Legends room. Uh, be sure to check that out, and you might see me there. Or if you see me walking down the street, uh, the reason I go to these shows is to meet people, so don't ever feel embarrassed or shy or anything like that. Flag me down. <laughs> I would love to see you and say hello. All right. That's me. Uh, tonight, I am not playing, but typically I play Silas Sorrell, your dimensionally displaced magical super fan. Yay. Uh, hey, everybody. Um, I don't have much of a voice left, so I'm going to be talking really low. Probably a good thing for all of your ears anyway. Uh, my name is Alicia Marie. And you can find me on socials at Alicia Marie Body. I am a professional costume artist and RPG performer. And I've had the wildest San Diego Comic-Con. For me, this season has been really intense. But I'm really happy. As you can tell, my voice my voice pretty much tells the story of what happened this weekend. We had an awesome time um, as a crew in San Diego doing the live show. So I hope you guys tune into the VOD because then it'll be exciting tonight. Oh, and I'm also getting ready for Gen Con. <laughs> Uh, tonight, I'm not playing Farza. I'm playing myself, literally and figuratively. I played myself. <laughs> oh, God. Hello, I am Jen Kretschmer. You can find me on socials as at Dreamwisp. I stream on Twitch as Dreamwisp Jen. Please forgive me if my video and audio are out of sync. It's over 100 degrees in Los Angeles, and it is wrecking my setup. So I apologize uh, for that. Um, I will be remotely uh, zooming into Gen Con on the 3rd at 11 a.m. Eastern uh, for the Accessibility and Gaming panel. Um, so that will be fun. And we are launching officially Dreams and Machines. It comes out at Gen Con. Yay! Um, please check it out. It's really, really exciting. I'm, I'm very proud of, of that world and the things that are in it. It was a lot of fun to work on. Um, uh, and tonight I will not be playing, but I will be talking about your friendly neighborhood troublemaker, Maeve Morgan Flynn. Hi everyone, I'm Lauren Urban. I'm the content manager at Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms, and you can find me on the socials as Lauren. I also had quite a lot of fun at San Diego. Um, I'm very much excited about tomorrow, which I've, I've been talking about a little bit now. We're in episode five the velvet lodge which comes out every wednesday on the elder eye entertainment channel so if you would like to see me playing a character that is very different than neb 
go check it out. Also, you should check it out because Lucia is the DM and or the storyteller, and she is absolutely incredible. And so uh, watch if only for her, but watch the whole thing because the whole thing is awesome. Uh, yeah, and tonight I will be holding on to Neb's rock. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Hope Lavelle. You can follow me on the socials at the Hope Lavelle. Um, you can watch me as a dungeon master on Misfits of Alceta every Wednesday. And uh, tonight I will not be playing Miss Robin Beckett, your favorite granny for hire. I uh, would love to, you know, start a pool on how many questions about old professions for uh, Robin. <laughs> oh, no. Come up here tonight. We'll, we'll see what oh, we get. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to share before we jump into questions uh, to let those questions uh, keep kind of banking up here. But um, we had some exciting news that we haven't actually shared anywhere else other than uh, the, the uh, you know, lucky folks that got to join us there uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. But um, I've been uh, working with Deborah for a little while and we are actually, uh, you know, we, we kind of asked this question from the beginning uh, as this uh, show materialized into what would this look like if, um, you know, viewers and fans out there might want to play in a similar type of world for their own games at home? And so uh, really excited to share. Uh, we don't have a ton of details yet, but excited to share that we are going to be producing a uh, Children of Erte primer for the veil, essentially, that is going to uh, cover a variety of different things that are going on in the veil. Uh, it's going to, you know, you might see the statistics for various creatures that our characters have encountered and some possibly that, uh, that we didn't encounter because we went left instead of right. Um, but um, but that is going to be uh, a content that is going to be coming your way. It's actually going to be uh, freely accessible. So uh, it's going to be uh, hosted on Demiplane's 5e Nexus when that comes. Um, don't uh, start beating down the door yet. This is probably coming out, uh, you know, the early part of next year. So, uh, you know, we've got to go make the thing. But um, but we have, uh, you know, decided to, to move forward with that project. And we're really excited about what that means. There's going to be the other thing I'm really excited about is the concept of what uh, has been put together here with the veil between the worlds is that, um, you know, this could be a nice sidetrack for your own campaigns where you find yourself in this place and, um, and there's going to be advice about how to play characters from our world or a world that looks like our world that somehow get sucked into a D&D style world or a D&D campaign. And so uh, if you've ever wanted to uh, kind of start out as uh, as Deborah has put it, first level commoners. Um, you know, if you wanted to start out that way and then get kind of pulled into this, uh, there will be some, you know, game mastering advice, player advice for how you might make that feel at your own table. So, uh, really excited about that supplement uh, that is uh, going to be coming out at some point, uh, you know, probably in the early half of next year. And we will keep you posted with more details as we have them. All right, let's jump into some questions. Let's do it. So first of all, here we go. We've got, if Neb could be an idol champion's familiar, what would they be? 
Wow, just putting everything about me all together, all in one question. <laughs> That's it. A familiar. Okay, so for those who are not Idol Champions folk, uh, familiars are the little, they're usually a creature that you get in the game that help you, that click on things and things. They tend to be creatures, but we also have like, you know, all sorts of random wacky things, especially as we've gotten into uh into space into stuff in spelljammer um i mean part of me says go with nebrat because like that's that's the first thing she transformed into but there's already like two rats three rats in the game <laughs> um oh okay sorry alicia i'm gonna i'm gonna say the spider version of her because first off there isn't any spiders but two it's i I love the idea of making something that is usually very uh, disturbing or scary look cute. And if there's one thing I know about our artists is they can either make anything look adorable or anything look horrifying. They're very good at like opposite ends of the spectrum. So I could hand them like a blue jumping spider, just already kind of adorable and say, make this so adorable that even people who don't like spiders will want to get this familiar. So that's, that's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say spider. That's a good answer. Uh, it's an yeah. arachnid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the winner. That's, how did we not think about that before? Thank you, Jen. Because there's no pressure tonight. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. But thank it. you for asking. That'd be that'd be actually kind of fun. Is is getting yeah. in in as a familiar? Yeah. All right, next one, um, Ashlon6023, how was the SDCC game? So first of all, I wanna say uh, that uh, Jen and uh, we, we missed Maeve, um, uh, so uh, l looking forward to uh, you know doing it again uh, where we can have everybody. You know, the chances, uh, as we've all played D&D &D for a long time collectively here, um, we know that the chances of getting everybody together in person are, are pretty hard, but, uh, but we, we are going to keep Keep trying to make that happen at some point, uh, but but definitely missed you. But um, the way we'll do this uh, one, maybe because I don't want to jump into spoilers too much because we'll have a VOD coming out at some point. So I'm going to go around uh, to, to the rest of the cast that was able to participate and uh, just uh, maybe give, you know, a, a one word or like a phrase maybe of, uh, you know, how you felt the SDCC game went. And I'll go first and I'm gonna keep talking for just another second to give you a second <laughs> to think about what that word or that phrase is since I've had the luxury of doing it for the last, you know, 90 seconds when you didn't have that luxury and I can keep talking forever, honestly, if I really wanted to. So maybe you've had long enough now, but, uh, but what I will start with uh, on the SDCC game is um, I will uh, use the, the word or phrase here of, um, fittingly appropriate and the, the slight commentary that i would say there is that anytime that you do uh something that is off the beaten path or maybe not part of the core story um there's a chance of it being completely superfluous that it doesn't matter at all or there's the opposite side of that of it's required viewing or whatever and i honestly thought that it, it just came out in such a good way where you know 
like when when they make a cartoon episode that sits alongside a movie or something you absolutely don't have to watch it so if you if you if you don't you know get access to the vod uh you forget about it or whatever it's not essential uh to to the story that we're telling in the core campaign but um i think that if you enjoy these characters it is a really appropriate um you know sidetrack uh and uh and can kind of flesh out the world a little bit more all right hope what about you okay if i can if i have to keep it short i'm just gonna say beautiful chaos <laughs> it really was and i think that our uh, couple of guests so we yes. had gabe gabe hicks and michelle Wynn bradley um uh, joining the cast and they certainly contributed uh, to that beautiful chaos they were amazing those, those two yeah. are beautiful chaos embodied 100 yeah. <laughs> percent absolutely what about you lauren uh I don't know how to say this slowly, but I'm gonna jump off of that, which was uh, Gabe Hicks, who is chaos embodied and a fake creature. Uh, the rest of us were so chaotic, he had to be the mom. Wait, Quite what? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Seriously. Yeah, you should yeah. check it out. Uh, you know, I said it wasn't required viewing for the story. I didn't yeah. say it wasn't required viewing for, you know, everything that you see that went on there so it's good it's great stuff what about you alicia um i i would have to say it was just um insane chemistry sorry about my voice but um like it's what it, we play so well together online you you could worry or you know you can certainly think though what if they meet in person and the chemistry is different or they just don't gel as well. Like you wonder, and like, am I thinking, I was like, I wonder how we're gonna be when we're in person. It was like everything. So my, one of my family members came uh, to San Diego Comic-Con with me and went to a bunch of my actual plays. And she was like that one, she was, it was completely different. Everybody, she was, everybody was on point. It just gelled. She said she had something to say about everybody at the table. And she was like, it. And everybody in the audience was like, this is, hysterical <laughs> so even and i was trying to explain to her i was like it's when you have table chemistry that you just can't it, you just can't do that it actually has to be there you know <laughs> everything gelled so uh well especially uh me fearing for my life uh, pretty consistently <laughs> with an axe swinging by my head um, uh, very, with, with a high level of frequency so yeah it was, uh, it was really great it was really great <laughs> so I, I did get to see the axe though, so, uh, and I got to hold it even. So, yeah, it was cool. all right, um, let's jump in this. This might be a hard one, and uh, obviously, cast members, um, if you don't want to answer any of like parts of these questions or whatever, say no comment. Uh, completely within your rights to do so. So please remember that. But we'll see on this one. Cassius three thirty five. As Alicia been following the Big B's news, soon Barbarian Path of Giants will be a real boy. <laughs> Wait, repeat that again. Okay, so has Alicia been following the Big B's news, which is, uh, I guess the upcoming supplement is called Big yeah. B's something, yeah. um, you know, Big B's to toaster oven yeah. or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Um, soon, I, I don't know. They just come up with... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, insert proper noun here and then something, uh, something after it. Um, soon Barbarian Path of Giants will be a real boy, which I'm assuming means 
that it will no longer be unearthed arcana. So I didn't know if you have a comment to that because that's also somebody making some assumptions there. Yes, um, you know, perhaps it is. We don't know what Peruse is turning. We know she's barbarian, but we don't know what path she's taken yet. People, although guesses are good, guesses are actually encouraged in this show, but we don't want to reveal things that might actually derail the story a little bit because also, you know, we may have things to add that might change your mind, but I do I do keep up with like the the different changes and additions that they're adding to 5e because things are interesting right now. And you know, every day Dean Beyond has come up with something that's kind of cool that could actually work for our characters. So like we said, like a long time ago, we came up with our character ideas, but they were all like could be subject to additions and changes. So I, I love that the idea is the priority is to capture the feel of the character yes. um, and and allow mechanics to fit that instead of the other way around. Also, I love that uh, Big B's Littlest Toaster is now going to be the next <laughs> supplement that's coming out. Yeah. What was that animated movie, The Brave Little Toaster? Yep. Uh, red, uh, am I that old? That Nope. Okay. I think Jen... As long as they credit me, that's fine. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think that, um, I, you know, a little bit more on that one. Um, I love the guesses too. And one of the things that I can yeah. say is that I, you know, having seen uh, some of the elements of all of our characters, I don't know if any of our characters are uh, what we will, you know, uh, we definitely have some Burning Crusade or Wrath of the Lich King in there. Nothing is completely vanilla WoW. Like, I think that everybody, I think everybody's got, like, you know, some customized things here or there. And, you know, honestly, I love it because it does uh, take on the feel that almost all of my home games have over the years, which is, you know, again, we're just trying to capture a character here. Yes. And uh, it, it's okay if you, uh, you know, walk along that and especially with us being you know from this world and arriving in this other world i don't think uh you know there, there's a way to really capture that without uh, being able to uh, to have some of that homebrew and some of that customization in place one of the things that i sort of like struggled with for a minute was you know i have this barbarian and barbarians are a certain thing like they're tanks they're just they're just heavy hitters but because I wanted to make her more into a specific type of character, I was like, as we leveled up, do I want to just make her stronger or do I want to throw a couple like cantrips in there that I can add with, with feats? I'm able to add with a little, even though they're not really, it's not really optimal to give barbarians spells because they can't cast spells if they're raging. So, um, but I, I thought to myself, there's some flavor I want to add to her strength. So I'm going to have to throw a couple spells and they're not, she's not going to be, she's not meant to be a mage. Um, but I, you might, that's why you might notice there are certain things that she's able to do. It's because I decided to flavor her barbarian, but just something I never do. I always make my barbarians just, you know, here's the hammer, there's your face kind of thing. <laughs> this is different. She's a different one. All right. We've got F.A. I think it's Fallen Angel, Ridian. Um, has, has Maeve uh, told Feruza that they work or at least did at the same law firm off screen? And does Maeve think she still has a job since she never did anyone <laughs> at work where she was going? Uh, so, no, Maeve has not told Feruza uh, that they work at the same place. That has not yet <laughs> happened. 
Um, I have been keeping that one in my pocket for the right moment. Um, Maeve, still having a job, I think uh, Maeve sort of assumes nobody noticed that she's gone missing. <laughs> Um, because her job is so low level, even though it's a, a, a high level firm. Um, I think Maeve generally thinks she can sort of just slip in and out of different situations. Um, she's avoided responsibility so much that she kind of thinks, oh, I'll show up when I can uh, or when I feel like it. And I think she's good enough at her job or or proficient enough to get by um that people it's worth it to keep her around it's worth it to keep her on the payroll um because she's competent enough at her job when she's there <laughs> but when she's not you know it, her job is not so important that anyone's gonna really pay attention <laughs> fact that she's missing that's what she thinks whether that's what her boss thinks is a different story <laughs> nice all right uh let's see for maverick two what has been robin's shortest profession it's a tough one <laughs> uh, it's actually not oh. robin worked one day as the front desk operator at a dog shelter and the reason it was only one day is because by the end of the day, she walked out with every single dog. <laughs> and and she knew if she went back, she'd just come home with more dogs. So she decided not to go back. Story of my life stuff. Yeah. Um, wow. Came home with a pack. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Because um, now I'm imagining her with Harold and like a pack of wild dogs in the backyard. <laughs> Uh, they have they had like a little farmland, so there was plenty of room for all the dogs to run around. Aww. All right, I'm gonna um we're we're gonna go around on this one, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, from Kaliki Redbeard, what side of each of your characters do you love the most uh, and help you create the story, uh, or or your story? Um, so what you know. What side of your character do you love the most? As it applies to their story. So, you know, I think uh, we, you know, we can each explain whether that means that we appreciate that in real life or if we appreciate what it means for the story. So uh, mm -hmm. you, can, you can define that um, as you will. Anybody I'll go want to volunteer? Okay. I, I will volunteer to go first. Uh, Neb's fearlessness, I think is the thing because it can literally help drive the story sometimes of just like all right Neb's gonna go do the thing um <laughs> but also like that is so much a part of her actual story of finding something that she is driven by you know having that passion of wanting to do a thing wanting to learn more about a thing uh has is something rel 13 days old for her so it's i think that's been the most fun uh it it has presented a few challenges of trying to not be the person that um uh, runs away or runs off you know away from everybody uh ke keeping her contained a little bit is sometimes hard but that's that's half the fun <laughs> that is wants to jump in. Um, i'll jump in um 
as counterintuitive as, as this sounds, I think one of my favorite things about Maeve is her vulnerability. Um, because so much of her personality is built on trying to hide it and cover it up that when there are opportunities for it to come through, that's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that the potential for her growth comes from that vulnerability. So yeah, I, I think that's that's one of the things I really love about Maeve. And, and vulnerability can be feisty and it can be uh, clever and witty and sarcastic. I love Maeve's sarcasm. <laughs> you too. It's really fun. I love that Maeve's really direct about things. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm not. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's, that's something I really love about her that I didn't expect to be so much of who she is. Um, I'll say for Robin, my favorite thing about her is just her experience uh i know cliche but um the fact that deborah has allowed me to because my character has had all this experience in life to have you know more advantage or oh well robin knows how to do this so she can teach people and i think it's been really helpful in the game that she's allowed to you know sometimes not need a role just because it's in my backstory that i have all this experience which i think is very sweet um so I just think like having all that experience and being able to use it um, has been the most fun. That's true. I didn't even think of that. Like, you know, <laughs> she always says, well, you're right. It makes sense. She's around. How old is Robin? I don't know. But it makes <laughs> sense that she has all this experience in different things. You know, by the time you get that age, you know more. So mm-hmm. we're able to apply it to the group. So it just helps us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Ruza goes, it is having a character who is so internally strong or has, you know, done all this schooling in Harvard to make herself so, you know, you know, internally make herself such a strong, smart, convincing, persuasive person to find out that like she has this external strength too. That's so fun for me because it was hard for me to not be a barbarian that smashes for a while and to just make it be like, okay, here's the act, especially in the beginning. But now she's more wanting to flex it. And that's just so much fun because that's, it's very much how I've been in my life. And I usually do not like putting myself, my own self personally in, in characters. I want to play someone completely different, completely. Bruza is definitely not personality me. She's personality, my middle, my younger sister. But that part of the, oh, wow, you know, the internal and the external strength, they come together and they create who you are. That's, that's me. I like it. It's fun. Is that me now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was just making sure I was uh, the only one left. Um, So I think for, uh, for me, and I'm going to use this because I got to read ahead some of the questions here. Um, I'm going to use this to springboard into kind of going back around the virtual room here into another question um, so I'll, I'll answer this one and transition at the same time answering this next one, which is from Kay Clark, 1701, Lauren, how much of Nev is really Lauren? And I would love to open that up to everybody, actually, like how much is, you know, Maeve, Jen, uh, you know, uh, Miss Robin Hope, you know, all, all those things. I totally so, thought for a second you were going to be like, I would like everybody to answer how much of Neb is Lauren. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
and you're like, all right. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, this is turning into a roast. <laughs> <laughs> Neb, Neb is so unconscious that, no. I'm, I'm, so. I'll do it. Marvin is so squishy. <laughs> Overall, um, she licks things. No, is everything that you love about Neb is is the stuff that's wonderful about Lauren. Yeah. But thank you. Yeah. So um first of all, the um, you know, the side of uh, Silas that, that I appreciate the most uh is probably uh passion. I, I I just like passion and um passion allows for uh one of my favorite things that I see in stories out there, which is uh failure and learning from that and picking up and you know because it you know ultimately if you're really passionate about something and you want something to happen uh, you know badly you're you're willing to to keep going uh, even even when all those things happen and so i uh, i certainly like the passion uh part of silas and i would say um as my uh incredibly smooth segue here um is that uh you know i think that the passion part like my life uh as adam is very defined by you know the various passions that i have out there whether that's you know my family or um or or all the stuff you see be behind me it's not about the stuff it's about what that stuff represents to me and what it's meant to me over the years and the stories that it represents and uh and and so i i think that you know passion is one of the most uh, if i had to boil down like you know uh, Conan style, what is best in life, uh, you know, or whatever. Uh, it would not be the lamentations of anybody. For me, it would be the, uh, the, the, just, you know, the passion and finding passions that you have and being willing to, to just dive into those passions. And if you're able to do that, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, you, you, you've got it pretty good and you're living a pretty great life. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I think that that's the part that probably shines through, of my personal self into Silas the most. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, um, Silas, uh, Silas definitely does a lot of things that Adam would never do. So I just, I want to make that part clear. Um, but, uh, but, but definitely the, the passion part is something I appreciate. So we can go back around whoever wants to talk about how much of yourself is in your character. Oh, but I have a question for you, Adam. Do you really, are you really then into basketball in real life? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so there, there were a couple of things that I knew with Silas that I had to know some things about them in real life, or otherwise it would just ring incredibly inauthentic. And you know, and so, so yeah, basketball and Michael Jordan, very much so. Like, uh, you know, very much so on the basketball side, and then uh, naturally, uh, you know, comics, superheroes, and um, and I think you know. Maybe my one of my favorite things all after all these years and the number of scions and psychic warriors that I've played over the years and all these other kind of things, telekinesis being my absolute favorite thing, um, you know, favorite superpower by far, you know, all that, um, being able to see uh, even where, you know, 5E's gotten with some of the stuff that 5E allows for when it comes to that. Um, it's been uh, really exciting to have that opportunity 
to play that out in something other than a one shot, uh, you know, and stuff. And so, uh, so yeah, that, that part, uh, but yeah, knowing about, uh, you know, superheroes and knowing about basketball, I knew I was going to be leaning into to a couple of things really hard. And so it had to be, had to be something that I had some kind of uh, background in because for instance, if Silas had been very passionate about trains or about <laughs> how submarines work, or about how boats work or whatever else, um, you know, uh, we would have been in a lot of trouble with this character. Because <laughs> he's more of a land thief. Um, I'll, I'll go. Um, I think it comes back to the experience thing. Um, growing up, I I did everything. I did a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and I became this Jill of all trade, but a master <laughs> of none. And that always really bothered me. And it really sits with me even to this day where I'm like, oh, I did this for a little while and I did that, but I never found my place in the world where I could sit and just master something. And I absolutely hate that. And I still hate it to this day. So when making Robin and actually spinning that Jill of all trades, master of none into a positive I've kind of been able to to deal with that those feelings and and kind of make it like, well, she's this wonderful character who has had all this life experience. Uh, she hasn't, and that's why you'll see with her jobs. You know, she was never a doctor, or she she was like a veterinary ex assistant, or she was a dental assistant, or it's like one of those jobs that you can just jump into for a little while, or just do a little bit of training for, or wh whatever it may be. But um just so she could have this this huge range of things um i think that's that's kind of what i've pulled into this character is just trying to turn that negative that i see as a positive which it it is i love that i didn't know that it's a beautiful story actually <laughs> yeah. all right i'll do frizza again um, like I said, uh, Frieza's uh, personality, a hundred percent, is my is my sister who I lost in 2018. So, um, like she was um, Ivy League, you know, law school. She was definitely more matter of fact. So it was always where I would always be like, "Oh my God, what's going on?" And she'd be like, "Are you being an idiot again?" <laughs> that was just her personality, and she was definitely more dry humor. Um, she was oftentimes like, "Why are you doing that?" what's wrong now? Like that was always her response to me. I was definitely more, the more like playful, silly sort of sister. So a uh, is a sort of like a love, love letter, my sister, um, as well as a few other things. But otherwise, the only thing that Fruza has that is me is that um, she's a lot of my favorite superheroes rolled into one. <laughs> then we have Storm, we have She-Hulk. <laughs> That's all otherwise. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'll go next since uh uh i think i think the thing that neb and i have in common the most is the desire to work with people be around people be social like we both want to hear each other's hear everybody's stories uh help each other out that kind of thing she's she's a we're both kind of uh group project people i guess you could say <laughs> um yeah she enjoys that and and that's one of the few things before getting on the train that she kind of had a little bit of a, a, a drive for is 
um, listening to other people, learning any stories or information that they had to tell, um, helping them, that kind of thing. So I think that we both we both share. Um, Maeve, I think for me was is an exploration of a lot of things about myself. I think in a lot of ways, Maeve is like, there are a lot of things that I'm trying to find in myself that Maeve does. Um, with, with the caveat that Maeve doesn't do them in a very healthy way. <laughs> um, but mm -hmm. I think um, a lot of the ideas behind Maeve um, have to do with uh, not caring what people think um, and being direct and being, um, you know, there are some things that are sort of long-term Maeve directions that I think will become more clear over time. So I'm not going to get too much into that, but um, <laughs> I think a lot of Maeve was about um, casting off societal expectations about what um, particularly young women should be and how they should behave, how they should look, um, how they should act. And so I think for me, the idea of being able to play a character that, because as Jen, I care a lot about those things and those things have very much shaped me. And part of what I've been trying to do in my life is not care as much so i think that's i feel like more than anything maybe is like things i would like to learn in a lot of ways um mm. so that, that's that's some of it but the puns and the the, the sarcasm are 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 me <laughs> that's me <laughs> and the puzzles and the puzzles are, 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 are I, I i had to build Maeve as i was building her i knew i had to build a high enough intelligence that she could solve puzzles because i cannot help myself it is, it is a reflex and I can't stop it. And bless you for it. And bless you for it. Someone who has, is playing a character who has a high intelligence and is, I'm not that. I'm certainly not that. Oh. I, I love learning about, because I think we all have bits of us in all of our characters. And also there's bits of our characters that we want in us. And yes. the longer you play a character, I think the more the more commonalities you find of like, oh, th this is something, you know, maybe I didn't even think about it at first when I built this character, started playing this character, but now they do this and that's something I would do. Uh, and then a lot of it is, oh, they do this and I kind of wish I could do that or be better mm. at that, uh, at, you know, or I wish I could do that, but just not in that that way. So <laughs> even even some of the characters that I think are the furthest from me that I've played, there's still hints of something that I can identify with. It might not happen until after I've played them. Because it but... comes through the lens of your brain yeah. and your body. And that's so you can only be that character through yourself and through your own imagination. Yeah. Like, you can't kind of reach into the ether or someone else's brain and um, go through their version of that character. It, it always will be some sort of representation of you because 
you're taking in the information and imagining the world and responding to it. So mm-hmm. any character you play has has some reflection of yourself just because it's coming out of your own brain and your own voice. Um, yeah. And especially yeah. with this being a medium that is all about improv and working with there is no script that yeah there's no script so so i think a lot of the time what at least for me sometimes what i fall back on is oh for a second this is what lauren would think about saying you know if if neb is in that moment of you know she's got a couple of different options of what to say sometimes it just is the thing that lauren would also say because it's improv and so there's more of a chance that that's going to come out well and i think one of the um one of the ways, especially uh, because, you know, th- this is an entirely other, um, you know, uh, stream that we would have to host to talk about this. So I don't really want to open this can, but I'm going to just briefly mention that um, playing a live series like this uh, for, for an audience is different. I mean, it, it, it is different than playing a, a home game. Um, and, and again, that's not good, bad, and like it's it's uh, it's what you do with it, how much you enjoy it, you know, how much people watching enjoy it, you know, all those things. But um, but one of the things that um, I will say, you know, even with Silas, is um, you know, it, it's filtered through the lens of my brain, which is a great way to put it. But um, but you know, so much of that uh, being able to show growth is there was like it, it was actually really hard for me early on to like have a stray thought flash across my brain and be like, all right, I I want this guy to not be so likable at this point in time. And I'm going to go ahead and say this, that that just flashed across my brain. Whereas like in real life, I'm, there's no way I would say that a filter scruples would kick in or something, you know? And so, so it's like, we're not going to do that. And so then like a gradual relaxing, uh, of of that intentionality to like make sure that I'm letting things through the filter way more, you know, and uh, and so I, I think that you know those kinds of things can help us, uh, uh, you know, through the performance aspect of it, like actually be able to demonstrate growth throughout the the story that we're telling together and everything. So um, I, I do think it's really fascinating where uh, you know a method actor can uh, you know carry Oldman can come in and become a chameleon in a role at the end of the day though like he's being written a certain way and he's able to come back to hey they are writing this character this way and we don't have that luxury in the moment when something happens right in front of us so yeah very and you cool. don't have a chance to edit your your dialogue yeah. you don't have a chance yeah. to stop and go back and go oh, i wonder what i wonder what the localized phrase for that is or yeah. let's do mm-hmm. another take on that you know when you're playing live you're you're responding and reacting and it, it is what it is and um yeah you just have to kind of be in it as best um, you can i love this question here uh jen uh and this is uh, aimed at you bookish oddish asked uh jen is the third extension that makes the terrain easier something in the front like a freewheel or something that goes in the back like a smart drive power assist uh so what i was imagining so um that's that's an awesome question bookish um so for people who, who don't have a lot of familiarity with with wheelchairs um, a smart drive is a power assist that helps you it basically turns your manual wheelchair into a quasi electric chair and helps your pushes um, push further 
um, and uh, uh, the, when you add a free wheel, it, it goes in the front and helps you with more difficult terrain. Um, so they have different functions, but um, what I was imagining for the forest ground was more of um, a free wheel um, because of the terrain we're on. Uh, in other situations that might change, but in this particular case, we've got bumpy forest terrain and, and so something that was, uh, would make that easier was, was what I went with. I also love the way that you described that when it appeared, when we started going down the swath of like, and, and it just appears and it looks like this and this, I was like, that is, that's super cool. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I kind of, I want that Swiss army knife that she had. <laughs> Very useful. You know, yeah. As a maker, I really want it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> that that's uh that was one of the the reflavorings I I played with uh that I just took something that was part of part of my character and and decided to uh reflavor it specifically for me. I love uh that you call yourself a maker, Alicia, um because uh I and and I I want to be certain everyone out there uh knows that I'm not saying that with any sarcasm like I'm saying yeah. I I like really like that that uh it's it's maker um so we've got a, a question here uh that is uh, k clark 1701 alicia i see several cosplay costumes behind you how many do you have we've actually got that question in here a couple of times i saw oh how, wait how many how costumes many do costumes have? do you have <laughs> yeah. okay just to give you an idea i have seven mannequins right here in this room and they all have a different costume pieces on them but I have multiple tubs in another room that are cataloged with different costumes, depending on like if it's a video game, comic book, anime, uh, pop culture, they're categorized that way. But, oh lordy, oh boy. There's there's definitely there's definitely over 100 costumes in here. There's definitely over 100 costumes. I mean, how many do you think you've made in your life? Yeah, yeah, how, yeah, over 100, yeah, definitely. Because when you think, because there are costumes that are armored, you know, like, and then there are costumes that are sewn, and then there are costumes that are styled, which are usually the D&D &D costumes, the ones you style, because they're things that exist and you're sort of putting it together for your look. Uh, but the ones, the armored ones, there's definitely less of those, be just because of space. Like, I, I fear for the for the moment I decided to move out of L.A. and I'm actually able to have, like, much more space because it's going to be obnoxious. <laughs> She's going to have a warehouse. <laughs> I'm building yeah. a room hammer. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've got to just, I, I've got to ask this, and you can no comment this. Uh, so this is not coming from a list. This is Adam asking this. So I have seen Little Hatchet Guy. Is there any plan for Power of Grayskull? Yeah. Like, oh, oh. I, I didn't think she would answer it, but yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Right because I love, there, there are only certain types of weapons I like to make. I do not like making guns because to me, they're, they're, they're all the same. And unless they're cyberpunk, they're just really boring. So most people that get guns, they 3D print them and just paint them really epically. But I love making hammers, like big, huge, like war hammers. And I like making axes because of the, because of the scale, the scale. It's like, you can just be ridiculous with it. So, and this for Ruse's axe in particular is its own thing. So yeah. 
You can have multiple <laughs> sizes of her. It can be like a whole family of sizes. Exactly. Oh my God, just a Get a collapsible wardrobe. Yeah. Yes. And select ranging from like, like itty bitty just... baby size all the way up. To... <laughs> yes. yes. I love it. Perfect. It's like the axe is the entire personality from here on in. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. This one I am going to limit to hope unless someone really has something they want to throw in here. But Ooh. um, but I want to hear how the game master feels about this. But from Cassie's 335, how would the COE cast survive in misfits of Alceta um, <laughs> that universe? And who would make the most puns? <laughs> wow. Oh wow. How would they? Um, I think Silas would definitely <laughs> handle it well. <laughs> I think he'd be so even more excited that nightmares are coming to life because if nightmares come to life, then maybe dreams can come to life too. And if you can dream it, you can be it. Um, <laughs> I think that um, Maeve would still be the pun master. I think uh, yeah. <laughs> making all the, the nightmare puns that you could think of. Um, Feruza would definitely um... be a monster. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She'd definitely have the hardest time, I think, that uh, Feruza, because a lot of these dream or these nightmare creatures that come to life from people's nightmares can't be destroyed by hitting them with an axe. They have to be it's got to be like you know there's got to be like super clever puzzles that have to be solved or things like that um and i think neb would just once again be in a lot of danger because she'd just want to <laughs> you know just befriend everything and <laughs> give everything the benefit of the doubt uh so i, I think that'd be really fun though thanks for the question that was amazing <laughs> yeah and i played not silas in uh Miss yes. Alceta, and that was uh uh, I, I think Silas would be okay in that world, but either way, I think uh, most of the COE cast would have some issues there. Um, there's some real danger going on. At that yeah, I, I was not Maeve in, 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 in the Misfits world, too. And, yeah. And everyone's still talking about it. It was a lot of fun. All right. I've got one that I can knock out real quick here that has now left me some here. There we go. Uh, in Denison 08, do you guys think you'll ever have guests on the show? And I think the answer to that is certainly yes. We uh, had our first couple of guests with uh, our SDCC show. And uh, just, uh, you know, this isn't really too much of a spoiler since you find out in the first, you know, 20 seconds of the uh, the, the VOD when that comes. But uh, uh, Gabe and Michelle actually played uh, Gloria, the train conductor, um, and uh, Al, so Althea, um, not, um, I can't remember the other Al's uh, full name. Uh, it was Al Alfred? The, Alfred? The yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so uh, uh, Michelle played Al the Stoker um, that uh, we actually came across their scavenger hunt um, at one point in the episode. So, uh, so yeah, the, the guests were great. If you haven't been able to tell, we have not come across, you know, Silas has never, uh, you know, mentioned this in game at all, that we haven't come across 
other people that talk really uh, very frequently <laughs> at all um, in, in the veil. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that guests will happen at some point for sure. Um, and, but, um, you know, generally what we try to do just, you know, with uh, uh, scheduling things, even, uh, you know, like tonight, we just uh, didn't have enough um, uh, kind of lead time uh, to make some changes. But if we know someone is going to miss uh, we try to see if we can pre-record where everybody mm -hmm. can be there. And so often shows like this will take uh, the opportunity when someone has to be out to bring in a guest for those episodes. But, um, but I, you know, I think that if you follow along with how this story has gone, pulling in a guest and then pulling them back out pretty quickly after an episode or something uh, is, 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 is a little problematic. Because I, I think where we find ourselves right now, uh, we're, we're kind of claustrophobic uh, with, with, you know, be, being trapped in this place. And so uh, I do think it will happen at some point, but, um, but it, it's probably not on the short term uh, horizon. But it'll be fun. We gotta have another can talk first. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and on that topic a little bit, uh, we from Maverick 2, we have who's your favorite NPC thus far? And I'll kick this off. Uh, definitely Pivum. And I'm not saying that just because Pivum has said the most out of any NPC that we had. But um, I thought it was uh, uh, just so perfect the way that, uh, you know, uh, he was named Bandicoot and you know, <laughs> crash and you know all these kind of things like i i just thought that um he he is uh he feels like such a perfect addition to the story that if i was watching this as a television show he was just incredibly natural and organic like as as he came mm -hmm. in um and again i know we haven't had too many npcs to choose from maybe yet um so it's okay if you say pivot too but but who wants to go next well yeah I'll go next because I'm in the very fortunate position and where Neb has been able to talk to a lot more people than mm -hmm. any of you. <laughs> like I've had a, a range of wolves and birds and things uh, and bugs who, who didn't really have too much to say. So not the most in-depth conversations, but I will say, um, and, and I'll just kind of say it as an entire group, the rats, the whole swarm of rats. Nicholas. Nicholas. I, I was going to say, Nicholas kind of oh, as Nicholas, our Nicholas. yeah, yeah Nicholas, Nicholas as, as our like point rat, uh, our point of contact rat. But mm -hmm. in general, that whole rat party just was so much fun in in a moment in where, uh, especially with Neb really grokking onto one of the main pieces of magic that she can do in that moment with those creatures. I think she learned a bunch from them. And it it was just fun to talk to them and be like, well, oh, yeah, they're rats. And you got to add on to that. Uh, it was how amazing it was, even though the fact that Deb wasn't expecting to have to voice all the <laughs> Yes. And she just came up with all these amazing little characters. Yes. And it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely amazing. So I'm, I'm going to say the rats as a whole. Um, I'm going to say, hands down, Gloria. The yes, simply because of the way they played her. Yeah. And I really hope that's a little unfair because that's like NPPC, but, yeah. but yes, uh, we'll allow it. Okay. <laughs> I just I really hope everyone gets to watch the yeah, VOD. Watch that VOD. It was unexpected, but so well done. So he like literally they they literally jumped in 
to this party, which isn't easy to do because we're super tight knit and we're all like, our characters are like a well-oiled machine at this point. So it's really intimidating to jump in a group like that. And they both just greased right in perfectly and <laughs> added so much to the story. It was fun. <laughs> all right, I'll say it. I'm going to say it. Yo, you guys, I love, I'm sorry, I love Ivy. Because Aww. when we when Deb first came out with her, I thought it was like a pretty like like one note character. She's this like mystical woman who was like lost in a shard. But now like we found all this lore about her. She's a ruler and she took off and all this other stuff. I'm like, what the hell is this chick doing? So <laughs> it, it just it's added some like texture, like a lot of texture to her, and I find her really intriguing. So I actually look forward to two thirteen. I don't look forward to dude. But I do, I do like Ivy. I like our interactions with her. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it's the rats, but for Maeve, Steve, <laughs> I, 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 I'm sad we didn't get. I hope we get more time with Steve. I hope we're able to bring Steve back and get more time with Steve because there's just there's something there. And also, I mean, Piven's great too. But, yeah. but I feel like there was such an interesting set of relationships that we all were building with steve and i i'm i'm curious about that yeah speaking of that we have the question from tricky bacon what is your plan for justice for steve so we'll, we'll maybe take that a little more generically and uh do, do uh we as uh you know characters have uh you know a plan for for steve uh and and i'll maybe just say that silas uh, I guess that was last episode. It feels like a long time ago, but uh, last episode just, you know, briefly mentioned, hey, maybe we shouldn't trust this Ivy person anymore. Maybe we should just try to resurrect Steve and ask Steve more questions, you know, or whatever. Uh, but outside of that, I don't think Silas has thought, uh, you know, clearly Silas doesn't know how to do that. Um, uh, but um, but uh, Silas would certainly be interested if uh you know we we pulled on that thread to see if there was the possibility of that um but uh, of course not knowing where to start mm. I, I love how you're like do we have a plan for steve do we have a plan for anything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good strategy session that went nowhere in the igloo i just wanted to point that out but we did have a strategy session. <laughs> yeah it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting when you say that because as far as Neb is concerned, justice for like we know who destroyed Steve. So there is actually a target for that justice, but she's not thinking about that in that way. Like if Talrin needs to be held accountable for a whole bunch of things. But if you ask Neb the the thing she wants justice for is whatever killed those wolves outside the mine like mm. she's intent on finding the creature the being whatever it is that did that because while steve is sad and she would do whatever she could to help him bring him back whatever is possible in this world he was actually he was a an active participant in a way he 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 had uh consent he had put himself into that situation so it's sad and she's upset about it but to her the slaughtered wolves were collateral some creature just came through and it wasn't a hunt for food it wasn't you know defending themselves it was just these wolves as far as she knows got slaughtered 
So when we find that creature, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Neb's reaction is. But as far as justice, that's that's where her justice mind is. Mm. That's actually a really good question. Like, what is each character's like short term right now motivation? Like, what do you? What is your character? Let, let, let's go with it. Let's go with it. What? Uh, I, I I love that question. What is what is on your character's mind? Um, let, let's say, um, you know, let's skip besides surviving a water zombie ghost attack, um, since we're just smack in the middle of that. Let's say past that, what, what is your short, very short term character motivation at this point? I can tell you mine right now, Fruza, because of that, you know, we each of our characters had the vision of where our loved one was. I think, wait, is Fruza the only one with? An alive person that gave her her ticket. Oh no, May no, has I her plan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, as so far like, as you know, alive. I live. Sorry. <laughs> it, is, it is not going to go very well for anybody <laughs> if Will is dead. Yeah, yeah that's that. going to be bad. That's going to be a bad day for, for anyone within probably a five mile radius. Just, just saying. And this is kind of touching on another question just to call it out uh, and recognize it in Denison 08. Do you think your loved ones are in danger somewhere? Bruce is worried that because that that, she, that that completely shook her. So that's what in her mind, I think I, I don't remember if uh, Bruce mentioned it in the live show in SCDC or if it was the last episode, but she did bring up like, did, did you guys see that? You know what I mean? Um, she's yeah, she's definitely wondering because it, she wants to go go save her. So, that's, so that's the motivation: is you want to figure out some way to get to. That's in her head. That's yeah. in her head. Like get out of danger for us first, and then let's like circle back to what the heck we saw in that. Is that something we're supposed to be doing? Are we supposed to go there and figure out and save them? Or because how can? Because if you think about it in real life, if you imagined that if that happens in real life, wouldn't you want to figure it out? I don't know. I think Maeve has an interesting flip side to that, which is, I think Maeve thinks it's, I think Maeve wants to find the person who is making us think our loved ones are in danger. Mm. You know, you know what, though? Neb agrees with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lauren does not. Lauren is so worried about her great-grandfather. Lauren is like Jen is also very concerned. (laughs) But Neb feels like that that vision is something someone trying to dissuade people, trying to scare, trying to scare us away. That there are these two opposing forces. One of them is trying to lead us on this path to saving Ivy and saving the world and all of that and, and discovering our powers. And the other is trying to stop us. And so she really does feel like that was a scary vision. Um, whether it happened or not is less important she doesn't think it's it's an actively happening now thing she thinks it's mm. something that was thrown at her to dissuade her uh so no she's she's that's not like if Fruza, if you bring it up you know if, if someone's still alive up, hopefully yeah hope you know still alive. <laughs> and and part of it may be that i know we've talked about uh how if you die in erte there's a, a possibility your spirit could end up here and mm-hmm. end up in bad situations and stuff. So she's not discounting it, but mm. yeah, unless someone is like, I want to go save my person, 
she's she doesn't think that that's either real or is really going on right now that that's something from the past and of course i know how he died um but yeah lauren is terrified about that uh to go back to that other question real quick neb's immediate concern she wants to find that other shard because we have so much half information and so mm. many guesses about things and she really does feel like once we get this final piece that there she kind of pictures getting that final piece and all of a sudden all the people who have been uh influencing interacting whatever are going to show up and try to bargain because <laughs> that there are people out there who have all kinds of ideas of what should happen in that moment who we should ally with what we should be doing and as as soon as we've got that power they're going to show up and we can finally get some answers so that's mm. her immediate thing is let's let's finish this and we'll see mm -hmm. what happens si silas is very much on uh that boat of just um i I, Silas thinks that Neb is naive in that way that like you know that that it's gonna you know kind of clean clean everything up or whatever there uh, kind of there and I'm obviously paraphrasing summarizing there but yeah. um, but but I do think that having it gives us some form of leverage that we have not had since we've been in this place right and so Silas is very much like get the get the last shard but um you know the the other part as far as seeing. Uh, you know, his pops there, um, Silas had a completely different reaction to that. And, and I think that it's interesting hearing everyone's reactions to it, uh, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, I wonder how much of it is in Deb's description mm -hmm. in that moment, because it's like, if you were like me anyway, I was like, I was hearing uh, everybody have something like that described. And mm -hmm. it was very difficult for me to focus on what was happening with you and your loved one as that was being described because i was like oh oh no like they're about to say this for for silas and i'm like i don't know if i'm ready to hear what i'm about here you know so it was like it was almost this like anticipatory dread or something you know but in that moment like as deb was describing it uh she gave a little look and said there was a look of like um, you know, kind of like a relief or something. And like, I don't know, like Silas kind of interpreted that as like, you know, it, they're, they're not, they're, they're going to be okay. And they think they're going to be okay because uh, they're, they're now seeing me or something. But, uh, but for the record, Silas absolutely thinks that it's real and that they are there in danger, but also that it's not like too urgent that we have to stop what we're doing right now, that this is all part of the same, you know, path. Uh, that 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 we need to uh, you know possibly get to them, uh, but uh, so yeah, the motivation for Silas beyond surviving whatever is happening at this lake or wherever we are um, is uh, is to try to find that last shard, and um, and I will go one step further to say try to figure out how we can secure that last shard before forces far more powerful than us take us uh, take it from us and take our leverage from us so that oh, that's no. all the short-term no motivation oh, no. i think mave wants to find someone who has another side of the story mm -hmm. i think that that's i want to hear from someone who knows this place and has information about this place about their side of the story and and get another dimension to that because right now we and just quite literally nothing. dimension maybe um because yeah. it's like we're just getting like 
a couple of sides to it right now. Yeah. From two we, different dimensions. We don't have any real perspective on where we are, on what we're doing. We're we're taking people's Maeve Maeve mm -hmm. doesn't take anything at face value. And because Maeve is so tricksy, um, she assumes that any situation that is remotely dangerous probably has someone pulling strings and being tricksy themselves. Um, so really getting some perspective and also seeing where she can pull strings and who she can play against each other, not within the group, but amongst the forces that, that be, um, I think she's, I think she's itching to, to play some pranks and, and <laughs> as much peril as there is, that's one of the ways she lets off steam and she has not had that opportunity to well, sort I of. I would also say interject real quick with Silas, like if what we keep like hinting at that there's someone that is putting us through trials in order to prepare us for what's to come, whether that's Julian or, you know, whoever's doing this ridiculousness with hiding these shards, Silas is, uh, and, and I'll go on and freely say that Adam is having a problem with like, wait a minute, like, you can't just like I've seen Rocky training montages like we can get prepared in another way that is different than this. Like you can tell us what's going on first and not jerk our chain all over the place. And then we will go and we will, you know, lift logs on our back and do our crunches and you know, all the stuff. that we See, need to I'm do not sure. I'm not sure it's us being prepared. I, I wonder if we're being if someone's trying to like test us and see what we can do yeah and i don't like i that mean why not both and, and 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 should we be revealing everything we can do yeah oh yeah that goes back to our strategizing wanna, session you know keep keep a couple of things in your pocket do you mm. do you want to share do you want to show that all off if there's ever that question so yeah it'll I, be I think exciting that's, to that's, see. that's that's i think where those of us i think silas and mave might have a slightly more our cynicism might be protecting us in some ways um, yeah, absolutely. down the line because we hold things back. Oh yeah, I have no doubt that Neb being so wanting to, it's less even wanting to trust and more, she has no, you know, why would a rat lie? She has no reason <laughs> to believe at this point that, at, you know, she's, the information that we have, she believes the sources that they've come from and that maybe there's mm -hmm. there's bickering and, and different interpretations, um, but also the the people that she's wanted to talk to to get some of that, you know, like we tried to talk to Tolerant, he was just like, we're gonna go find it. I know, right? He didn't want to chat at all. So, so well, I, but did he have, did he say Ivy or he just said, where is she? Where is yeah. she? Yeah. And so, are we sure she is Ivy? Like that's one that's been, been in the back of my brain for the last couple of weeks. I swear yeah. she said, Ivy, but maybe, maybe not. I think, I think he said, where is she? Where did she go? I'd have to check the, the VOD or my Yeah. I, I think you're right. Um, but yeah, Hope, Hope, I'm did sure you have is... anything on the uh, short term motivation part before we um, kind of open that up a little bit more? Uh, you know, Robin just lives in the moment. I think right now her immediate thought is protect, protect, protect. You know, with the, with the I think as soon as we lost the train, that was kind of an awakening of like, mm. oh, my God, we're <clears throat> this is this is not good. <laughs> so so she's kind of just into that 
quote quote mother mode of like what can i do to protect so yeah all right let's see Let, let's do a few more uh we had planned to do about an hour here tonight but uh obviously we're a little past this uh but we'll we'll do a, a couple more um here and let me uh pick uh let's see i think we've answered that one already uh, see that's the other thing is by the time we get this deep in we have already answered like several of these that come in right. uh, yeah. by, by answering the other one so i'm trying to sift through a little bit but um let, let's do this one and uh, maybe make this one another round robin uh and we can spend uh you know a, a little bit of time here but in denison 08 how did each of you come up with your characters i know we've uh, you know talked about this in the past uh, more in depth but maybe briefly were they inspired by anyone or anything um, and I can uh, start with Silas, and I think that, you know, the the big shtick with Silas um, from the first conversations with uh, Deborah was uh, we're going to have people from our real world, and we're going to get them into this fantastical world. And, of course, I didn't know any of the details of how that was going to happen, what it was going to feel like or look like, but, um, but it was let's... Um, uh, let's basically um, kind of formalize all of the in joking that happens like at a home table, because it's like, if you've played at home tables, there's some kind of joke and somebody does something. And even if it's the most badass thing you've ever seen in one of these games, somebody immediately goes to, you know, a John McClane quote or something, you know, from, from you know, so it's like, it's just always something like that yeah. um, because, you know, again, we're all playing a game and, and, and that's great. And most of the time that's very, very fun to do that. But uh, this Erte world in this universe is a place where all of that is perfectly valid and plays completely straight in, in in a universe like this because we're from the place where die hard was a real thing you know and so i think that um you know for silas it was um you know want to make sure that we have a character that is uh you know really into those things and can make those uh, break the fourth wall but not really break the fourth wall in that way um and so that that was a big part of the inspiration to start with and i would say that uh you know there's a little bit of star lord in there but probably more uh scott lang uh ant-man um you know kind of uh, feel to that uh with uh the thievery uh and and all of those things and then probably the whole getting in over your head like uh you know um uh like jesse and breaking bad or something there's there's definitely a feel of that to uh to his backstory as well um for mave i had a very specific um piece of mythology that inspired mave um and almost everything maybe not almost everything about her but a, a substantial part of who mave is of her backstory of her yeah everything um came from from that specific piece of mythology which i i think people might be able to guess if you have paid close attention but i i also don't want to be too um explicit on that yet uh because it's still unfolding but i i yeah um that that was the biggest piece for her and also that that exploration of of um casting off expectations and norms and you know what happens when you when you go into the woods and there are no rules um mm. yeah 
You know what I love about superheroes? <laughs> is that they, um, well, growing up, I always felt this, is that it, superheroes aren't interesting if they're just all powerful and can do everything and that's just it. What makes them interesting is that they they all have flaws or they have things that can break them or things that like can end their powers and they know it and they kind of just work around it. Or if something happens to them, they, they just sort of bounce back like, you know, in a really amazing way. And um, I, I, I honestly, I, I, I wanted to play a character like that. I wanted to be able to group my favorite parts of my favorite, my favorite heroes. And, you know, that's why Feruza, even though she's really strong and she's really smart, you know, there are, she literally is a fish out of water. She may have everything in line on earth, but where she is in the veil and um, now all the superpowers that she had on earth, they don't really work here. So she's had to develop others. So I kind of wanted to, wanted to do something with that and Deb was okay with it, so. <laughs> um, yeah, for Robin, I'll keep it vague because so many things went into the character design, but uh, you know, whether it come from my great aunt who is 84 years old and she's still, she's still playing pickleball and tennis and stuff like that. She still gets around and she, she denies her age. She refuses to give up kind of thing or uh, inspired by my mother who was a Jill of all trades. She, she knows something about everything. You know, she's had so many experiences and so many jobs in her life that, you know, she, she's always someone you can go to with the most random questions and she'll know. Um, all the way to, uh, yeah, just the, just wanting to represent elderly in a good light. And, uh, uh, I think those are the, the basic things. Yeah. For Neb, there were two main things. Story-wise, I really wanted to create a character that did not have a tragic backstory. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to do the, I love that. This, this is a well-rounded person with a family who loves them, who had ev whatever they needed, not just to survive, but to thrive, who had supportive in everything. Uh, so having a happy backstory and then figuring out, well, okay, the corollary to that is why would you leave? What is yeah. the, the reason you leave if your home life, if everything that you've known is good, there's got to be other reasons besides the tragic backstory cliches that we've heard of. Um, so what is that reason and why does she pursue that? So that became kind of the main focus for me for her character, for her personality and for a lot of the stuff that she ended up becoming mechanically as well was were things that tied into why did she... Why would she be comfortable ending up in the veil and going, I love my family, uh, I will miss them, and they will miss me, but I'm okay with not going back, even though they're wonderful, lovely. Uh, and then mechanically, there was just the, what haven't I done before in a long-term stream? And what have I done before in a long-term stream? and trying to figure out, okay, what things am I, do I not want to do anymore because I just did them and what things haven't I done in a while and so I want to try to. So it's kind of a mixture of those two things. I love it. <laughs> All right, is that everybody? I want to make sure. Okay, 
So um, last question, we're going to end with this one because uh, um, I definitely like this one. And this is from uh, Fallen Angel Ridian. Um, if you could have taken one personal thing from the broken train, what would it be? Oh, that's an easy one. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I know. Picture of Harold, her her last big picture of Harold. Chill. Can that be Neb's answer too? I have no idea. That broke my heart. That I could not come up with a way that Neb would know that that picture was like, you know, and in the moment yeah. and everything, I was just like, oh shit. Oh, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> but you describing it when when Deb was like, okay, so what's in the trunk? And you were like, da, 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 da. and then this picture of Harold. I was like, <laughs> Oh, that's why we're trying to delude ourselves into thinking the train's gonna come back at yes. the <laughs> Robin still believes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Who wants to go yeah. next? I can go while you're thinking. Um, so you know, it seems like for uh Silas it would be a pretty uh simple thing that well, you know, his autographed uh michael jordan basketball that was still in the case and it's you know just deflated and crushed and worthless now uh down there or um you know the uh few comics that he brought with him you know saga volume uh you know nine that he's not going to be able to finish you know th th those kind of things that i think he even remarked about in the show um but um but i will go ahead and say since it's probably not gonna uh you know up directly um silas had a, a second not a green glowing uh ring but a second ring that he took with him um you know everywhere that he traveled uh that was actually an engagement ring at some point was it is, its intended purpose and it is now at the bottom of whatever this avalanche thing is and uh, <laughs> oh, he, he he does he does not have it any longer Ooh. oh no and Silas has bunches of money, so it was a nice one. <laughs> bunches of money. I like, you know, I forgot to mention that. You finally told us or gave us some insight into why Silas likes towels. Like, we didn't know. I really didn't know until you told us. Yep. That. Yeah, episode. that was awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, Bruce, there's a thing. When she graduated from, from law school, her parents gave her this, like, you know, official gavel. And she had it with her, like, the first... Like the, I think we mentioned it on the first or second episode that she had a gavel like on her nightstand, but I don't really want to mention that as a thing she's gonna miss because it's sort of written into things coming in the future. Yeah, so it's not it's not necessarily gone because of what it is, but it'll it'll explain itself in the future. I don't want to say too much, but yeah, it wow, right now Bruce is thinking, yeah, but in her mind she's thinking. My gavel's down there, but it's 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 it has a connection to something else. That yeah, I best forget it. That's it. <laughs> Mine, I, I I don't feel like I have one that's just really thoughtful like everybody else. Um, if it I, helps I honestly, you, Jen, I'm I'm gonna be with you. So if it helps, yeah, I think yeah. they probably would have stolen the dirty magazines from under the bed or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> because anything that she could use to be just to again the way Maeve 
kind of gets rid of anxiety is to be cynical, prank people, set people up. Provocative. Um, yeah, provocative. And so things that she could use for those purposes. I mean, Silas can create things out of thin air, at least temporarily. So if you ever need a fix on uh, anything, uh, then well, let, and let Maeve, know. Maeve has some some abilities that have not had a chance to show off yet. Uh, too, yes. that, that I think are going to be, I think will be more useful if we're around people and and need certain things um but yeah I, I think i think it would probably be something in that vein that would be the kind of thing that you could plant to get someone else in trouble <laughs> there's nothing on the train that is personal to neb that she would want um the one thing that she needs she has with her or she can always find if she needs to um, there's other stuff on the train that like, if you've asked her now, pieces of Steve or, you know, other things, but as far as like her personal effects, there's not anything really. That being said, when her phone got destroyed in the mine, that upset her, not because of the, uh, not because of anything else, like mechanically that we're using with the phones, but I think like a lot of us, there's just a ton of pictures on there of loved ones and friends and family and while once again she's she feels comfortable adventuring out and going out into the world and possibly not seeing these people ever again it she would have really liked to still be able to pull them up on her phone and flip through some pictures mm. yeah does anybody have a phone left i do okay so yeah. it's maybe the only one that has a, a phone left robin yeah. has her yeah Ikea brick yeah, nice. Forza, don't you have the, doesn't Forza have the other one? Because I know we, yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. Get a big so phone and just yeah. Silas is missing a phone now? Well, Neb is missing a phone, so. Yeah, okay. And yeah. Forza lost a phone, one of two. Wow, <laughs> she's the, got a the bottom of the thing, yeah. <laughs> serious. A business burner. All right. That's literally been burned. <laughs> Yeah. All right, we'll we'll wrap it there. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us tonight. Uh, it's been a blast. Thank you for the thoughtful questions. Uh, it is so rewarding to be able to be part of a collaborative story like this and for uh, you to be able to participate out there and, uh, uh, again, ask the questions. We, we see all of those things out there uh, throughout the week. It uh, brings a smile to the face. So thank you so much for uh, sticking with us through all of the uh, the ups and downs that have happened so far in 52 episodes or 51, however many it has been. Uh, we've got a new one that is coming back next week and really looking forward to seeing what happens in the Battle of the Lake um, as we are in some, uh, <laughs> some really uh, deep water um, coming up here. Uh, but, uh, but join us next week, uh, same bat time, same bat channel. And uh, again, thanks so much for, for being fans out there. And remember that this life right here is an off-the-hook fairy tale. Craziness. <laughs> 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 Bye! Thanks for listening. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Children of Arte. To learn more about Demiplane, visit demiplane.com and embark on your own adventure today.